Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to another episode of In the Pen, part of the Petros Podcast Network, a podcast about relievers. I am your host, Callan Elsinger, joined as always by my friends Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. And we're we're on the way. It's been a great start to the season. My Yankees are four and two, so things are looking up. Things are making me happy, but it's really great to have baseball back. There's a lot to talk about in terms of relievers, a lot of exciting happenings, a lot of closer confusion, I'd say. Uh, we were talking about before the show, it seems like maybe just one closer who we know for sure has the job and is getting a lot of saves. So there's a lot to dive into, but a week in the season, how are we feeling, guys? Well, my Red Sox just got swept by the Pirates, so there's that. Um, thanks for, for your Yankees intro. Um, no <laughs> but yeah, things are are looking a little bit bleak right now over, over for for them. But um, yeah, it's still it's still exciting. Still very early, seeing trying to get a read on some bullpen usages and how you know late inning guys are being deployed. So you know we're still early in in, in this thing, but we'll we'll try to keep you as best updated as as we can. Yes, sir. I uh, I like that Callan referred to us as his friends. That might be the first time oh. I've heard that. I can add you guys yes. to my list. Now I'm up to you know, five. 30 something podcasts, and I think we've reached that level now. Where it's no <laughs> awesome. longer just co work Great. Yeah, it's uh, been a fun season thus far. I, I think it's fun when relievers are, are wild and unpredictable because it gives us more to talk about, you know? So it gives us gives mm. more of a reason for the listeners to come listen to us. So I think we sort of have to root a little bit for the. Uh, the chaos and that's what we've been getting thus far yeah i think it was, it was summed up pretty nicely in our discord it was uh there's a gift from uh i believe it was um workaholics on comedy central where one of the characters was talking about overreacting or whatever i think i'm underreacting and just going crazy and i think that's how i feel every time there's a reliever coming in the discord goes nuts there's a lot of people talking about who comes in who gets position it is a week into it, but of course, we've got to start trying to analyze those trends, start looking into usage and see if we can come to any sort of conclusions. So on this show, we'll do our usual standouts. We'll go through some people who early on are starting to rise in our minds in terms of rankings falling and then kind of go division by division and just talk some more standouts. Is there anything we can really deduct after a week of baseball into uh, guys we should be monitoring and things like that? And then we'll wrap it up with a little bit of mailbag. We got some good questions from people on our Discord as to uh, some other guys we need to keep an eye on and uh, things moving forward. So we'll start off before that. We'll get into some of the latest news. There's not too much going on in terms of injuries. There's a lot in Major League Baseball, but luckily the bullpens have been pretty, pretty intact. So for us, that's good news. We'll start off with the Atlanta Braves. Colin McHugh was placed on the 15-day day IL on Thursday with right shoulder inflammation. This has been a bullpen that's been pretty... Stable to start the season in terms of we know Iglesias down, but we know who has a job. But with McHugh coming down, does anybody stand out in terms of replacing him for holds? We talked early in the season about a uh, McHugh being a 
pretty locked in guy who jumps into that uh, seven feet finning uh, next man up role. It looks like it's going to be the 49 year old Jesse Chavez. Um, no, I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but he feels like he's about 49, and I think he's got three holes already on the year. Um, but yeah, I think they're still waiting. Joe Joe Jimenez really isn't. I don't think he's back to where they want him to be yet. I mean, Nick Anderson's look he's looked good so far. There's the velo's not there where it used to be, but maybe that's maybe he doesn't need need it to be there. Uh, he's still getting a ton of swing and misses, so someone to keep an eye on there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's they're really going to lean on AJ Minter moving forward and try to piece it piece it together to get to him. This bullpen has really been depleted incredibly with Iglesias and now McHugh out that the righties are, are not as solid as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Like you said, Jimenez is the top option and Nick Anderson probably has the most upside, but I, I feel like they're going to rely on Kirby Yates a lot. I know he's still sort of getting his feet under him at this point, but he, he seems like a guy that not has that combination of ceiling and floor and experience, which I think managers usually like a lot. So I think Kirby Yates is somebody to watch as well, but there's not too many um, right-handed relievers that are really trustworthy. I mean, especially if you're mentioning names like Jesse Chavez, who are getting saves and holds pretty ridiculous. And I will say, as we're recording this, the Braves are currently tied 4-4 against the San Diego Padres in the bottom of the seventh inning. So we may get some early indication as to that. Nick Anderson, I believe, came in and pitched a scoreless seventh inning after Lucas Lickie came into the sixth. So we'll see who helps after Anderson to get the ball to uh, to mentor, but we kind of know uh, that. On the other side of this game, just quick, uh, Steven Wilson yep. looks really good and someone who is ooh, really... Nice ooh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Steven, <laughs> Steven Wilson, someone um, who's definitely rising up the Padres bullpen depth chart as we speak, but yeah, that's... Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about some standouts later on. Yeah, and other than that, the only other news like that has been fairly stable week in terms of bullpen injuries. Maybe better just for life news and baseball news than just fantasy baseball. But Liam Hendricks, he rung the bell over the weekend. He had his recording, believe, before a home opener, just saying he'll see them real soon. He has his final round of chemotherapy. And there's the video. He's officially done with his treatment. He has finished. He's all, he's all set. He's ready to work his way back. He's beaten cancer, and it's just awesome news. I'm really excited to hear that. We still don't have a timetable, obviously, and that's... Why would we? It's something much bigger than baseball and what just happened with him, but are you... We've talked about him getting stashed on the IL. If he's still out there for some reason, he's a high-priority IL stash, right? I'm not going crazy thinking that. No, there's no reason to think that, yeah, he should be... If you have an IL spot right now for a reliever, he should probably be be that guy filling that spot so um yeah i mean we're thinking at best it's end of may that's you know that's not that's not too long of a of a time of a long of a you know time to wait for someone who's a top five closer the last you know what three or four years so um yeah if he's still available and you have aisle spots open now i think is the time to to jump on on the liam hendricks train He's been rising up that stash list for quite a while, especially over the last couple of weeks. If he does return uh, end of May or early June, where would you put him in your ranks? Is he like immediately placed back into the top three or would you be more conservative and be like back end of the top 10 until he proves himself to be back to normal? 
that's yeah, it's tough because there's right now the top three isn't exactly you know no one exactly stands out right now um he's definitely in that first tier i think uh, uh i i would put him in probably in the five to six range if i'm thinking about it right now um so right in the middle somewhere there i think you know he him or ryan presley i i think i'm would still i would go with hendrix there um but yeah there's a lot of time from there and now but yeah he's he's definitely he's like the only he's the only il stash right now that can be in that i think will be in that you know first tier first or second tier mm-hmm. and considering that there is so much time until then. I feel like that brings up the question about Reynaldo Lopez. I know we've talked extensively about him across the off season and now into the early um, regular I think season. Our opening day podcast opening day. Exactly. was just all about exactly. our opening podcast was just Reynaldo Lopez. I don't know yes. if there's a, much more to so, that. So I think that begs the question. Obviously, if he's on your team right now, you sort of want to get as many saves as you can, especially because he's looking so good. But is this a guy that you sort of start shopping around as he seems to be the closer and maybe people forget that, you know, Liam Hendricks is going to be coming back or maybe they're not as tuned into the news as as you are? Is this somebody that you guys would be sort of shopping around because he's got saves on his ledger and maybe somebody's looking for a closer? And then as soon as Hendricks is back, Lopez never gets a save again. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I still think I don't know what you're gonna get for Reynaldo Lopez right now. I I think you might have to see another, like maybe he can get a save or two this weekend and look. Yeah, like a month from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's the time to start. But um, you know, it might just be yeah, depending on what you can get. Of course, it's it's league dependent. But yeah, I, I. I think, you know, if you can get a good bat for him or a better bench bat, then mm-hmm. I would go for it. Yep, I'll agree. I think we've talked all throughout this, the history of the show about closers that are replaceable. You can play them on the waiver wire, and you can find those saves. Now, you might not get someone as much upside as what Renato Lopez could have been, but except with Liam Hendricks on the, on the way back, you don't know the timetable, so you don't want to rush that. I think you guys are right with weight for the month try and get a couple more saves and you know maybe end of april start making that shop or you know before the news gets too i don't want to say overblown but there's more mention of liam Hendricks. but i, I think you want to see a little bit more because there was some interesting usage which i'm sure we'll, with him that i'm sure we'll get to uh, in just a little bit but we'll continue on as we always do with our three up three downs can be our standard segment guys who are rising up rankings yes it's early but there's still guys who's usage early on are making us smile are making us you know rise and have much more interest in him than we had at the beginning of the season so rick we'll start with you give me one guy who is rising up your rankings based on the first week of the season mm, i'll say i'll go with a deeper one here and i i think aj minter is um someone who probably next week will be rising up the rankings just because we still haven't rasiel iglesias he still hasn't thrown he's not throwing yet so you know, originally when he was placed on the IL, it seemed like it was a minor thing, especially because it kind of just came from out of nowhere. Um, so the fact that he still hasn't thrown means that he's definitely, you know, a few weeks away at best. Um, so if we're looking at a two, maybe three month absence for Iglesias, then all of a sudden, you know, Minter has real, you know, value, probably top 15 value as far as closers go, because they're going he's going to get opportunities in Atlanta and he like as we mentioned with McHugh too there's not there's not a ton of 
on a ton of uh you know challengers there for him. So you know, Minter's looked good so far this season. He's he kind of had two four out games he finished or four four run games he finished unfortunately so he doesn't have three saves but he has one so you know he, he's definitely the guy there to to be closing out games yeah and we're talking about as we're talking about him kirby yates has just come into a fitting he's getting the uh at least the next man to likely go to mentor will of course update as it goes on but I'm very excited to see what Minter's been doing. We had that question mark, and I kind of thought Joe Jimenez was going to be a factor in this. Early on, like I said, it's been all AJ Minter. He's coming in at the late innings. He's gotten the big outs. He's getting those safe opportunities. I think it's very clear that Minter is the guy in Atlanta, and it's not as much a committee as I was originally thinking. So uh, I think Minter's for sure belongs on this list, and he can you know vault up, especially like you said, with that injury news for Rizal Iglesias. Jake, we'll move over to you. Who's someone who would rise up in your hypothetical reliever rankings? Um, well, I guess I'll just steal from Rick because there aren't too many guys rising right now. There's lots of uncertainty around the league, as I mentioned in the opening. And so I'll go with AJ Puck. I think that's an easy one. Sorry, Rick. I'll definitely give you your chance to uh, talk about your guy. But um I think just the fact that it, it looks like he is guaranteed to be the closer. This is a guy that I was high on throughout the offseason because it seemed like he was the most talented reliever in that bullpen and that the Marlins acquired him for a reason. And I loved what he did for the A's, not just because he was pitching for the A's, but also because he, he was actually good. So that that's somebody who would be rising up my ranks if I were making ranks, uh, which I do not make ranks. <laughs> Rick actually does. Uh but yeah, he's 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 looking great so far. He's gotten a save. It definitely gives me confidence. And, uh, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, which is the big question mark, because it is something that he has struggled with throughout the entirety of his career, staying on the field. So that will be the big thing. Hopefully keeping him in the bullpen and not overworking him will keep him on the field throughout the season. Yeah, I love the puck call. Um, you know, not much more to say. You pretty much nailed it. But it's interesting to see, you know, my thing with Puck kind of entering the year was he wasn't a big swing and miss guy last year. Um, Like the one thing I guess I would say I would like downgrade him for. But he's kind of embraced the whole, you know, the sweeper revolution. And he's he's throwing a sweeper now instead of his regular slider. So he, you know, I'm thinking that might lead to some more swings and misses and more strikeouts. So, yeah, there could be a could be a big season here for Puck if he can stay healthy. Are we going to get a, uh, a a pitcher list or a, a sweeper pitch classification on pitcher list? Oh, uh, that's a good question. That is, they have question. it on baseball savant. So I, I feel like we should. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna call up Nick because I definitely yeah, have his number. <laughs> I, say, I think we we have someone on this uh, on the pitcher list staff who might know a thing or two about sweepers and pitching that we could probably yeah, ask about yes. that. Just an idea, but we should. It's definitely uh Especially when a uh, Buster only shouts out pitcherless for the sweeper uh, category. That was, a, <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was yeah. pretty cool. It's nice to see. But uh, my riser and my hypothetical rankings that I totally do every single day is uh, David Bednar. And as simple as all the elite closer seems to be having some issues. Emmanuel Classe, his velo's down. Ryan Presley's been mixed up. We'll get to him in a little bit. But David Bednar has kind of jumped in. We talked about him as someone we like in that little third tier. But three for three and save opportunities, three innings, only two hits, struck out five, two straight saves against the Boston Red Sox. Sorry, Rick. 
that adds points in my mind just so you, you could beat the Red Sox. But there's no competition. We've seen who else is in that Pittsburgh. Well, we knew he had the job, but just watching the other relievers in Pittsburgh, nobody's stood out as a competitor unless there's trade. But Bednar's look extremely sharp. The Pirates are playing better than we expected. Yes, they're not going to be good, but I, throughout the offseason, we said it. If you're a bad team, you can at least play close games. If you're going to win, you're going to win in close games. Get saved. So I think Bednar is really jumping into that top 10 conversation to the point where he's just a very locked-in closer one at this point in my mind. And he's looked awesome. So I think he's definitely deserved to be mentioned here as someone who should rise up in the rankings just of how stable, consistent he is. And there really isn't any sort of competition for him. Yeah, I think it's um I, I think the Pirates might be I think they're gonna be better this year. I, I think like to the point where whoever's if he if he does stay with them and he's closing out games all year, he should like you shouldn't worry about oh it's the Pirates because I, I it looks like Mitch Keller's taking a step forward. He, he he's had two good starts so far. Um you know, I, I feel like the the starting rotation and the, the, the lineup will keep them in some games and, you know, give Bednar more chances this year than he's or this year than you know more chances he's had in his career there probably so yeah great start for him and hopefully keeps it going it is weird how how he sort of placed himself in the tier of safest closers in the league Mm -hmm. i don't think we saw many of the guys that had locked in roles to fall off as much as they have so far Uh, you can't really say fall off because it's been a week but you can say that there is uncertainty surrounding even the top closer in, in class a so the fact that bednar on a terrible team with a guy who has only like two years a track record that's only two years long it's pretty crazy that he is I, I'm on the short list of like the safest relievers in baseball right now possibly like beside jordan romano and devin williams which is uh, not something i was expecting to say especially after a week yeah it's been been really insane so good for bednar and for my tjfi team that happens to have uh david bednar on it but well done thank you thank you i listened to a good podcast about relievers you might have heard of yeah, it. yeah i think uh, so there's a couple guys that i consider to be my friends on it <laughs> i like where this is going i like this going but with every riser there are some fallers so we're gonna get to the rankings uh fall off hours in the past week we'll start with you jake this time since you just called me your friend i'll let you go first who <laughs> has been uh, someone that has been falling now within his uh first week performance Oh, I got to steal the easy one. Don't take the easy one. <laughs> uh, well, what is the easy one in, uh, in terms of the order of your list? The top one? Yeah, I mean. Okay, I wasn't going to take that one. No, so you're uh, you good. could take that one. No, 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 I actually wasn't. Uh, right. I actually would like to talk about Scott McGuff. Oh, um, right. This was a guy that I was, uh, I, I didn't hype him up as much as the other sleepers that I did throughout the offseason. Um, but he was a guy who I sort of had pegged pretty early on as the guy who was going to be the closer in Arizona, just because he's got the most experience in it closing in Japan, but it's been underwhelming thus far, not only in terms of, he doesn't really like blow anybody away with his fastball and his control is not too great. Uh, I've, I've watched him a couple times and not only was he, not great at locating his pitches in the zone, but when they he were did, bad. yeah, like <laughs> it was the middle, the, middle, the biggest indicator of it was that game against the Padres where he allowed back to back home runs to start off his outing to uh, give up the walk off. Cause I was watching that one. Uh, one of my friends dropped him in my home league after like a di- after that uh, Andrew Chafin got the save against all the lefties. 
And then he dropped McGuff and I was like, oh, let's go. And then he got one save and then he was coming in again. I was like, oh my God, that guy's an idiot. (laughs) Why did he drop him? Let's go. I'm getting another save. And just like he threw a fastball out of the zone. And then the next one was a splitter up in the zone that David Dahl of all people hit to the opposite field for a home run. And then the next one, the nine hitter, Haseon Kim hit a fastball right down the middle out of the ballpark. And I was just feeling really stupid that night. Also, Emmanuel Classe and Trevor May. Uh, blew up and they were also both on my team. So it was a rough night for uh, relievers on my team. But I, I think that's just sort of the indication of, of the the situation with McGuff right now. I, I'm not totally certain about how good he is as just a pitcher. And the fact that we hemmed and hawed all offseason about who's going to be the closer indicates that there is a lot of competition there. I think we could see guys like Miguel Castro or um, Andrew Chafin sort of take over because they they have other options there that they feel good about. And yeah, that's it's been really disappointing to see that thus far. I thought he was going to sort of come in and be dominant. But you can also say, I know this has been very long-winded. You can also say that it's a very, very small sample size. And maybe it's just early season jitters and that he can sort of turn things around immediately because he's really only had the the one terrible outing and the other ones just weren't that great. So I, I would love to see him turn it around and sort of reclaim himself as one of the uh, sort of breakout guys coming over from Japan this year. So it, it's mm-hmm. just going to, uh, it's going to take a couple outings of him showing that he can command his splitter down in the zone. Cause it's a good pitch. It's just not commanded. If he does lose his job, who's your favorite to take over right now with how things are going? I'll let I'll let Rick take that one. <laughs> I'm just I'm trying to I'm laughing over here because Kirby Yates just threw yeah. the ball and <laughs> I don't even know how to explain what just happened there. Um but yeah, not a great outing for Yates. Um I think so yeah, I, I was kind of confused by the like early the off season hype with McGuff because I mean, he's coming over from. I, he only got he's he's making two point five million dollars this year, which you know it, it's not exactly like if like teams were just like drooling over getting him and putting him in their bullpen. So, you know, Miguel Castro is making more money than um, Chafin's making more money than um, obviously Melanson is. Um, you know, it's just and then watching him in the spring is it's just very blah, very blah pitch mix. The splitter is can the splitter can be good. It's just yeah, he's had no he's had no ability to to just locate the splitter fastball combo. So it's just I don't think there's anything there. Um, I think you know they Chafin is good against lefties. So is Joe Mantiply, who should be back probably next week. I think if you mix and match, you know, the lefties with like a Miguel Castro who's got a nasty slider, like sliders his bread and butter. I mean, that that might be the, the the answer for for saves there, which doesn't help fantasy managers, but I don't know, maybe you can get value from both Castro and Chafin, especially in deeper leagues. Um it's I don't know if there's anyone here to chase right now outside of Drake Jameson, but I feel like that's just for, you know, waiting for him to get into the rotation kind of. So yeah, it's it's still a, a weird situation that I, you know, Castro and Chafin in deeper leagues. But other than that, I think I'm staying away. And Rick, you alluded at the beginning of this segment. You're very easy faller. Who 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 is it? Who's the next guy you wanna you wanna bring up as a, a faller in your ranks? Oh, I guess we'll get him out of the way, and that's Kyle Finnegan. I 
I mean, yeah, I don't know if there's ever if there's been this disastrous of a first week for a closer, um, in which I believe he did get one save in between these two games. But yeah, it's it's been rough. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how quickly or how long the leash will be, or the you know how how long they're going to give him because it's. You know, they, they weren't they were hesitant to give him the closer role to start the season. So now that he's allowed um what was it again? Let me just pull this up. Seven runs. Seven seven earned runs in two point one innings to start the year with three walks and no strikeouts. I mean, there is either something physical going on or mental and it seemed like from the other game, I mean they they kinda did him dirty and let him just stay in the game and just kinda wear that outing, which um, definitely doesn't help his confidence. So, you know, Carl Edwards Jr. is pitching well. Hunter Harvey has been okay so far. Hopefully, you know, he can get some sort of a strikeout pitch here. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I feel like between Harvey and Edwards, someone's going to take that role over sooner yeah. rather than later. That uh, that blow up was pretty terrible, and it was pretty funny. The guy that has him in my home league, uh, hit. Let's just say his rant would have been would have gotten him banned from the pitcherless Discord. I would think so, unless you're doing it on plaid. <laughs> like, That's the one time I've, I've heard words like that. I think even there. I think even there. It was uh, it was oh, wow. pretty uh, expletive laden. Ooh. All right, let's see how it is. Yeah, we've all we've all been there. We'll just say that we've all had those moments in our life. But real quickly, I'll wrap up the fallers of someone who's kind of would rise down my ranks, and that's Ryan Presley. Early in the season, we saw it. The Astros were hesitant to use him back-to-back games. They went for Rafael Montero with a, for a save. I believe Brian Abreu came in in some high-leverage situations before they went to Presley. It just seems like Dusty Baker... I, very, I don't want to say for sure there's an injury, but we saw on opening day he was consistently shaking his hand. I'm not sure if there's something physical going on or if it's just how things were, but I'm a little worried if I'd have Ryan Presley right now. That's how much Dusty Baker is avoiding using him back-to-back, I think this may be a lot more of a mix-and-match situation than uh, originally let on, or much more of a committee than originally let on. So I think Ryan Presley is a lockdown top-five closer. I'm not sure I'm fully buying into that anymore. Yeah, especially now, you know, it makes sense when they went out and or didn't go out and they they retained Rafael Montero. I thought that was I thought that was surprising, you know, to begin with because they just paid Naris last year. They already have a Brayu there, so it's like their bullpen Stanek. I mean, their bullpen's already pretty good and they wasn't wasn't really expecting them to keep Montero and especially pay him that sort of money. So maybe they knew that they weren't they were going to have to be a little bit, you know, they wouldn't be able to lean on Presley as much this year, especially at his age maybe. So yeah, it does look like there might be um, he might not be that yeah locked in top five guy that we were hoping for. So was was Presley sick? That was yeah. yeah that's what that's what Dusty Baker had said. But I yeah, it came out so late. I feel like because yeah. we were talking about it for like three days and we had just no idea why he was out. But then he just pitched uh, the other day, but it wasn't a safe situation, right? I'm not sure how much I'm buying that he was sick. I'm wondering if that's manager speak <laughs> for something's bothering him, but we don't want to yeah. say he's hurt. So we'll say he's sick. Monitor the situation closely. I- I'm not going to say there's going to be an IL stint coming, but if he got put on the IL in the next couple of days, it wouldn't fully shock me. But hopefully it figures it out. But I feel like we might be talking more about this Astro situation 
uh, down the road than we would have originally expected. So let's take a quick break and then we'll head over to our division by division breakdown. Just some early standouts outside of our uh, our risers and fallers here on in the pen. Sometimes it can feel like food has an emotional control over you. Well, it's time to show your food who's boss with Noom. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's start off in the American Leagues. We're going to go through each division, kind of give a standout or two of things you want to monitor, things that have stood out early in the season. And, uh, you know, for good or bad reason, we're not all going to always be positive as you've shown on this show. But let's jump, start off with the American League East. We'll start with you, Rick, since this is your division for your Red Sox. It's not the Red Sox, but any early standout in the AL East, good or good or bad? Um, I have someone who it's, I, I don't know if it's good or bad, but I just want to, you know, I think Felix Batista kind of started off slow, but he's looked very much, he's looked like himself late, late the last two outings. So the concern is kind of gone for him, for me now. Um, and you know, as far as, as I mean, the Red Sox haven't had a ton of Canley Jansen finally got his save today. He's, his velo's up. It's nice to see that this early in the season. Uh, how, if he can maintain that, I don't know. I feel like I want to say last year we were thinking that we were saying the same things about him with his velo being up. So um, we'll see how it goes over the course of the season. But um, yeah, not not a ton really. Um, you know, I guess one down thing is I just Eric Swanson's use, usage. I just yes, I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can we just see him in the eighth inning in front of Romano, please? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention him. He's it's they've been using him so weird. It's like they'll use him in the sixth inning of a game they're losing by six, and then use him in the seventh inning of a game they're winning by one. I I don't really know if he's a high leverage reliever or they're just is just a guy that they trust to take the ball whenever. But 
I don't know. It's not like they have so many setup guys there that they're like, well, we have nowhere to use Swanson. So we might just use him everywhere. So yeah, that was one that I was going to mention. Um, but outside of that, I feel like the AL East is, is pretty solid right now. Like you sort of know the closer on every single team. Mm-hmm. It looks like Pete Fairbanks is the closer. He's yet to strike anybody out, which is somewhat concerning, but it's been two innings, which is probably about the, uh, smallest sample size you can get. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't have too many standouts in the AL East right now, actually. Yeah, neither do I. I was going to say I was proud of us that we made a whole segment of talking about the AL East without mentioning Pete Fairbanks. So that streak <laughs> will not be will not happen. As a Yankee fan, I'll just say Clay Holmes, there was some concern after his first outing. He came in and pitched a perfect ninth against Phillies to get his first save. The only concern I have for them is Michael King's not looked fully healthy yet you mentioned in discord rick i may wonder mm-hmm. if they rushed him back too soon i hope not that's not the case but it wouldn't shock me if they give him a few lower leverage situations just to find his groove again before moving back they got loising on peralta marinaccio and a lot of other arms that can use in high leverage just to get michael king right again but uh, that's the only thing that just is like the yankee fan i want to mention that but i would agree with you guys it's pretty pretty basic division things are going about as we'd expect so Wolver to the American League Central. We'll start with you, Jake. What's your biggest standout in that division so far? I think so far there's been a lot going on in the AL Central, whether that's closers not looking too great after having been really good, um, closers coming up for me to take victory laps on, or setup guys that are sort of appearing it's actually difficult to choose because there are so many options, but I think I'll go with Yohan Duran. I, I feel like that's one that everybody probably wants to talk about right now, but it, it's it been weird because he came out looking really strong in his first outing, getting the save, and then he just hasn't pitched since then. We got the note from Rocco Baldelli saying that he woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Basically, he slept wrong, which was weird to say about a guy, and then he has not pitched since then. It's been like five days. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Is he injured or did he actually just sleep weird? Have they just not had any close games recently that it means that they, you know, they're going to let him rest because this is a guy that throws really hard. They don't want him to be overworked or get injured. So that's definitely somebody I'm going to be watching. He stood out with his performance in the first game, getting the save. And now he's standing out for his lack of performances. Yeah, it's a little bit of a um, concern, but I, yeah, I don't think there's been any. There's only been one save opportunity since that, so not too concerned yet. But they are probably going to be careful with them. Um, so yeah, back to back days might not. You know, we, we might not see him pitch in back to back days um, anytime soon. Any concern sticking in Central for Emmanuel Classe? He's had a significant, he struggled so far, and he's had a significant velo drop to start the season. Any concern with him right now, or it's just it's one weekend? Let's uh, let's cool our jets a little bit. I'm not concerned. I, I his velo came back a little bit yesterday. Um, he touched a hundred. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think he just needs to get settled in here, and yeah, he'll be fine. I I really hope he's fine. Uh, (laughs) I really hope so. (laughs) Yeah, it's worth also reminding people, and even us, when we see that as a big standout, it's the first week of April. It's cold. There's going to be some velo 
thing because of that and also they're still working up their arms so mm. yeah i'm not i would agree with you guys but it's, it's worth monitoring if it continues down the line if we get to next week two weeks from now and it's still low velo then we're gonna have a deeper conversation about it but for now just continue to monitor it but it's just it's worth noting at the very least yeah someone who's not having velo problems is araldus chapman who i know we hate to yeah. talk about the guy but his velo is up 2.5 miles per hour to start the year and he hasn't been this. He we haven't seen him sit at 102 or like in the in the hundreds since 2017. So I don't know where this is coming from, um, but it's definitely worth monitoring. And he if he if this is gonna if he can keep this up, then he's gonna be closing games somewhere. Um, you know, I'm sure it would be funny. I saw someone on Twitter mention the Mets and like, I mean, that would just be, Oh man, New York, me- New York media. <laughs> man. Yep. That'd be a field, have a field day with that one. So, um, yeah, I'm sure, you know, the Royals, honestly, they should probably think about, I mean, you can't just trade them in the first week of the season, but like, you know, June comes around and he's still doing this. You might want to get what you can and, and then move on. Um, yeah, great, great points. I would like to say one thing going off of just the velocity conversation. I feel like this is something that I just realized that I had understood throughout the whole offseason and totally forgot once the season started that the new pitch clock could be something that is affecting pitchers velocities. Because mm-hmm. that, that was something that we mentioned, you know, the less time to recover in between pitches could either lead pitchers to be unable to throw as hard as they could before because they don't have that time to rest or to purposefully throw softer so that either they can last for more pitches or so that they don't get injured. And that was something that I hadn't considered. I, I think I was probably the most active person on the pitcher list discord just saying, oh, this guy's down in velocity, this guy's down in velocity, this guy's down in velocity. And I started realizing, wait, why is everyone down in velocity except for Reynaldo Lopez and Araldis Chapman? (laughs) And it finally (laughs) dawned on me like yesterday, like, oh, shoot, the the pitch clock. All these guys are throwing slower because of the pitch clock. So I think that that does sort of can explain why everybody's throwing slower, why so many guys are throwing slower. I don't know what it's going to mean going forward. I don't know if it's like the floor of pitchers is lowered. So across the league, the, uh, the talent level is just going to drop. So then it doesn't really matter if your pitcher gets a little bit worse because he's throwing slower. Or if it also means that, you know, like everybody is expecting right now, how it usually is, is these guys just need some time to ramp up to get to their max velocity again. But it's definitely something worth monitoring. I think a lot of people are going to be gaining their velocity back over the first month or so. And the guys that don't do that, that fail to do that, are the ones to probably be concerned about because either their talent's dwindling or they're really being affected heavily by the pitch clock. Yeah, really good point. Something I hadn't considered much. So definitely something to keep an eye on going forward. Move over to the AL West. And Jake, since this is your division, we'll let you uh, start off as well out here. What's your biggest standout from the American League West so far? My division, because I'm a Shohei Otani fan. Of course. Who isn't? (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the AL West is interesting. I think 
as you uh, gave this to me, I'll go I'll go straight to Oakland because that's going to be the easiest for me to talk about. There is uncertainty there, and it is unsettling because this team is terrible. So not only are you not getting save opportunities, but also you don't know who it's going to. The first save and only save went to Danny Jimenez, and he's thrown twice this season. His velocity way down, but you know who else's velocity was way down? Trevor Mays. It's been like down three miles per hour across his first few appearances, and he's really labored across the last couple of them. So I'm the confidence that I had in him during the offseason has disappeared, <laughs> and now I'm uh, very concerned about how they're going to use him whether or not he's good anymore. And I just have this dark feeling in the pit of my stomach that Yuri's Familia is going to be the team's closer going into the all-star break, which would be less than ideal in terms of like a a fan perspective, but maybe even worse in terms of a a fantasy baseball perspective, because not only do I not want Yuri's Familia on my team, but I have a couple of shares of Trevor May that I I don't want to uh, hold on to for too long. I feel like I just transported back to high school. You saying that Jerry Familia is going to be fantasy relevant this year. That's a, uh, that's crazy. That's a, uh, but I mean, you're closer to that team than either of us. So it's definitely something I'm going to circle and keep an eye on. That's been a very strange situation to monitor, especially with him and is getting the save on opening day, but then that Trevor may coming in late and one of the most recent outings, they've been uh, interesting to save the least Rick, any other standouts for you out West? Well, I think it's it's similar like where Jake was talking about the AL East being, you know, we know who the closes are. I feel like the AL West is like we don't know who any like anything. Opposite. And we thought, you know, Presley in Houston was, you know, a for sure thing, but yeah, that we we already talked about him and the question marks there. So, yeah, like te- Texas Leclerc came back and got a save the uh was it yesterday, I believe, and you know, it's good to see that he got the the chance over Will Smith, but it, Leclerc's, I mean, you know, talk about Velo being down. Leclerc's Velo's down 2.5 miles per hour right now from last year. So, you know, Seattle, um, Seawald hasn't looked great so far. Um, got, an, got a loss the other day. So, you know, m- maybe Munoz starts seeing more save chances. Um, and then, you know, the Angels, we got um, Jose Quijada getting a save. And not that he particularly looked great. I mean, he left a lot of pitches over the middle of the plate, but um, got away with some and got the save. And now, you know, you know, apparently Carlos Estevez was 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 not going to pitch that game, but still, you know, brings up some question marks. Quijada may not have looked great then, but he did look great in the WBC with his uh, jersey coming undone every single time he pitched. I don't know if you guys saw that. He's a max effort. Yeah. He's- yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget also the Tucker Davidson thirteen to one save. I mean, can't can't forget those those yes, saves. But the Angels have done nothing to assuage our fears of them being extremely extremely confusing. I'll go on a very high limb and say that Jose Cuijada will not lead the Angels in saves. But just me. But I'm willing to willing to throw that out there. So monitor that situation closely going forward. Let's take another break here on In the Pen. We'll get back. We'll jump over to the National League and figure out some standouts over on the other side when we get right back. Most weight loss programs are short-term fixes, but the problem is managing your weight needs a long-term solution, and that's what makes Noom different. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight today and in the future. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. 
and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's start out in the NL East, one division that we've had a lot of conversation about to start the show, but three off the offseason. So, Rick, let's start with you. Your biggest National League East standout so far. Um, Well, we talked about Finnegan being bad in Washington. Oh, Philadelphia. I mean, Sir Anthony Dominguez hasn't looked great. Craig Kim- Kimbrell hasn't looked great. Gregory Soto hasn't looked great. Um, so yeah, I don't know who's trying to, I mean, maybe Jose Alvarado is the best one. They have the best option there for saves going forward, but, um, they haven't even had a, an opportunity yet. So we don't really have a read there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know what to think there. I, I still like Sir Anthony and I like Alvarado and I think I'm starting to fade a little bit on Kimbrel and just to, you know. Yeah, I just don't know if he's been going to be able to get back to where he ever what where he was, or even be you know a shell of himself. So, um, yeah. Other than that, it's great. We talked about AJ Puck. I love that in Miami, and you know the Mets with David Robertson. He's going to be the closer until they make a trade. So he's definitely worth rostering right now. I definitely think that's the biggest news coming out of this division is David Robertson sort of solidifying himself in that role because there were lots of questions when Diaz went out and there was the big Ottavino or Robertson debate. I think we'd sort of all agreed that Ottavino might be the better reliever, but that Robertson will probably be the one to get the saves because he was a closer most recently. But I still think it's up in the air right now. I, I, Robertson is the closer, but he does have injury concerns. He's old. Uh, you never know what's going to happen there, but yeah, have the Phillies even won a game? They they did. They beat the Yankees. They won, once. Yeah, yes. nice yeah, one game. Let's go World Series yeah. or bust. So they haven't exactly had the uh, the early thing. And Craig Kimbrell came in at that point. If you want to mm-hmm. talk about say in a four nothing game and gave up a home run to GJ Lemayhew. So we've mm-hmm. had zero indication of Philly closers. I hope no. the struggles from all of those have just been, hey, this is a non safe situation. I'm not gonna turn it on we've seen Craig Kimbrell in the past have a 
mm-hmm. some issues when coming into a non-safe situation. But um, hopefully we get some indications going forward from a team that we're all pretty heavily invested in to try and get that right answer in Philadelphia. Let's head out to the National League Central and keep this train rolling. Jake, your biggest National League Central standout so far. Yeah, I feel like we've been going all negative on all of these, and I think that's fine. I feel like that, <laughs> that that's what people are coming here for. I don't think many fantasy managers are like, dang, my reliever's so good. I really hope they talk about him on, yeah. in the pen so that I, I can feel even better about him. So I'm going to go negative again here, and I, I think that's in – actually – feel pretty good about the NL central. Um, <laughs> I feel like the negative you can probably only make in uh, Chicago where Fulmer hasn't really pitched too much and he hasn't looked incredible, but he did get a, did he get a save? Yeah. He got a save. He got one early. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, it says zero saves. Did he get I one? He got the uh, four nothing opening day. Oh, that's what right. would have been a save. Yeah. But mm. I... Yeah. So maybe that's sort of a blame. You can blame that on uh, just, early season small sample size or the lack of Cubs having close ball games where they're winning. So you can sort of blame it on that, but I'm sort of disappointed to not see too much more of him. I I think the biggest reason that I have him in sort of the negative column is that I wanted to be more blown away by him when I did see him pitch. And when he did pitch, I was not that blown away. I wish his, I hope to see more of his new sweeper. Cause that could be a big difference maker. I think we've seen that with other pitchers so far this season, mostly in the rotation with like Graham Ashcraft in, in Cincinnati, that his sweeper that he added looked really good. So I think we could see something like that from Fulmer sort of helping him take another level. But the fact that we've seen such dominance from like Adbert Alzale definitely mm. has me sort of concerned that Fulmer could lose this job pretty mm-hmm. early because Alzale looks so good. Let's face it. You wanted to see good things from Fulmer because you got those new sneakers. You wanted to start running those victory laps around us and you're just waiting to try them on and you're you got to wait, a, wait another <laughs> week for that. Yes. Yes. Rick, any other NL central standouts or like Jake said, it's been pretty, pretty stable. Yeah. I mean, Ryan Housley and Devin Williams have been okay. Um, it's still early. There's nothing to worry about there. Uh, Alexis Diaz has been fine. Hasn't gotten, I think he's only got maybe one opportunity so far with the Reds. Is that what Derek Law? Or yeah. Got yeah, a, Law got a save. Vulture to save um, the other day, which, is, you know, I haven't heard his name since he was with the Giants way back. So, yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think, you know, we talked about Bednar. You know, it's Jordan Hicks is kind of frustrating me. I, I just want to see him be healthy and put things together and, like, just, you know, if you're throwing 102 miles per hour on the reg, I just want to see you succeed. And, yeah, he's been, he's been frustrating to, so far to start the season. Yeah, and I see Giovanni Gallegos uh, make his return, and he had a scoreless outing for his season debut against the Braves the other day, so he might get himself right back into that. Uh, the early situation we were talking about with Jordan Hicks last week back as the uh, setup man for Helsley. But let's wrap this uh, division breakdown up with the National League West. Rick, what's your biggest uh, West standout so far? Um, I guess... I mean, the Dodgers come to mind. We talked about, you know, Arizona situation a little bit already. So the Dodgers situation where I grad a roll. No, they haven't had a save up or well, Evan Phillips picked up a save yesterday coming in um, in the ninth inning. So 
I don't know if that was planned or um, he had to kind of bail. I forget who was pitching, but he had to bail someone out there. And, you know, they gave Gratterall a look in the ninth inning and he let up four straight hits. Um, I think there's I think there's real issues with Gratterall just being with the shift rules and being such don't a say high, it out loud. Jake might. <laughs> I know just being, being such a high dominant, like a dominant ground ball pitcher. I mean, doesn't get swings and misses. Just wondering if the shift role affects him a little bit. So, um, so Phillips gets the save, but I don't know if that means that, you know, he's the guy. I definitely don't think it means he's the guy yet, but as long as Daniel Hudson's out and no one else really steps up here, I know Shelby Miller has been pretty good, but like, I'm not sure that that's something that that's a guy they want to put in the closer role right now. So, uh, I think Phillips is still the only reliever I want to roster here and and for the Dodgers right now. Definitely the most actionable bullpen right now. There's not too much elsewhere. We we sort of touched on Pierce Johnson earlier in the show, and I feel like that's probably the only guy that's going to be on the wire that's might actually get you a solid amount of saves for the next couple of weeks, or at least until our next show. But the, I, I feel like it's it's not too actionable outside of that. We haven't seen enough out of the Giants relievers. I'd like to see more just to see who is the preferred guy in San Francisco, either Duvall or Rogers. We've only seen one iteration of them pitching together. And outside of that, it's like it's either really solid and Josh Hader being the closer in San Diego or absolutely up in the air like Los Angeles and Arizona, Arizona. So right now it's just, I, I don't know, just <laughs> keep an eye on, on things like stay in tune, read the reliever ranks so that you know what's going on every single day. Uh, yeah, it should be pretty interesting. I feel like Dre Jameson is definitely somebody that's going to start getting some notice. And I would also put some, uh, give some some run to Jacob Junis who's sort of the long reliever in San Francisco because he had really uh, a big increase on his velocity in his first outing and then he just had like a a four inning win or something so he's he's cleared to go multiple innings out of the bullpen and he does really well out of the bullpen and his stuff plays up super well since he got to San Francisco and he he could be pretty successful as a guy that just sort of is is getting starter numbers but without being a starter or being in a, a starter eligibility position. Yeah. And you talked about Pierce Johnson. Like you said, that's probably the most actionable one. I think the Rockies have kind of settled as to him as closer. Yes, it's early, but he does have two saves so far this season, which in a week, good stuff. So if you're looking for saves, we've talked about how we don't trust Rocky closers, but at least we know for sure he's going to be the guy. So proceed with caution, but I think we have an answer for this one, at least for now. So let's head over to the mailbag. If you want to get in on this mailbag and you want to ask us some questions, as always, you can find us on Twitter. But if you want instant access to our mailbag questions, you can join the PL Plus Discord by becoming a member of PL Pro, PL Pro or PL Plus. Go to petrolist.com, click B, Get PL Plus, and you can join in 24-7 access to our community, our staff. You can have get advice on anything fantasy-related, talk about literally anything sports related life related we have chats for anything and everything it's an awesome community and i would highly highly recommend it but we got a couple questions we want to wrap the show if we'll start off with this guy adam how you may have heard of it if you listen to this podcast his first his question was how reliable or unreliable are team usage patterns early in the season we talk a lot about 
what we've seen and how teams are using it, which is this really something we need to put so much weight on or, you know, how reliable do we think this actually really is? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I think you can get some sort of a sense. I mean, these things, these, a lot, a lot of these teams are the situations in the back end are fluid and, you know, always changing. But I, I think for, especially for like the newer managers that, you know, we don't really have a read on. We don't have any patterns to, to, to go off of. That's it's a good time. You know, the first couple of weeks are important to kind of see how they're how they're using their guys in the bullpen because just because you know someone was the setup man last year for you know the old manager, you know, the new manager can come in and, you know, just change everything up and, you know, maybe now that guy's, you know, working in the fifth inning down six runs. So um yeah, I, I think, you know, it just depends on the team and, you know, I think you you'll first two weeks, you're probably not going to, you know, have a definitive answer anywhere, but it gives you an idea that, you know, something to look for when you're, you know, monitoring these situations, you know, for the next month or so. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily call it reliable because it's not like you can take how the bullpen is used in the first week of the season and be like, this is how it's going to be used throughout the whole season. But I think what you want to be looking at is who the manager trusts, right? So if they're using Reynaldo Lopez, for example, if they're using him as the closer in their first game and then another game, they're using him in like a high leverage situation in the seventh. That's clearly a guy that they trust to get him out of jams and stuff. So he will have high leverage situation throughout the year, whether that means he's setting up or whether that means he's closing. It's too hard to tell. And that's why it's unreliable because you never know what's going to happen throughout the year. In his case, you know, Liam Hendricks comes back and then he's not the closer, but you can tell he's trusted right now. So I think that's the big thing is like, is this guy being used late in the ball game in high leverage situations? Has he gotten a save chance? Is he pitching in a game up by four, does it does it feel like the manager likes to put him out there and trust and, and like isn't sweating when he puts him out there, or is it a guy that they're just like trying to get some work and and are are sort of iffy putting him out there on the mound? So that's that's probably the the main thing you can read into with early bullpen usage. And shameless plug, if you want a daily recap of usage patterns, how teams are using them, the favorites, go to pitchless.com, read the daily bullpen, sharp bullpen uh, ranks article. Jake does some work on it. Rick does some work on it. I'll occasionally do some work on it. It's a great resource if you want the daily tracker as to who's being used when and uh, try and get a jump start on those uh, sudden changes in patterns throughout the season. But our next question is from one of our PL community members, Ben Bingham. He asks, any guys that haven't recorded a save who you have your eyes on as a potential closer at some point? Ooh, well, we got this is, you know, we have to mention Hunter Harvey. It's required. So yes. Hunter Harvey's on it's this contractually list. required now. Um, you know, I think as long as the Chapman's throwing this way, he's going to end up, you know, closing out games. Um, and, you know, another guy we didn't talk about yet today is Colin Holderman is really intriguing me in Pittsburgh. And especially if David Bednar does get traded, if this is the year that they move him. Um, Holderman's really he's 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 up this velo from last year. He's up about two point five miles per hour across the board with his sinker and cutter, and he's turned his slider into a sweeper, which you know the sweeper craze. So, um, yeah, that's uh 
that's a guy that interests me as a, a really deep league stash right now. Yeah, and I the other two guys that are sort of obvious at this point, guys that we already mentioned, Albert Adbert Alzale and Aroldis Chapman, both guys pump some gas and are in bullpens where the closer situation might seem locked up, but the guy in that role is not somebody that is super overwhelming and, and does have the ability to lose the role pretty quickly. Um, there is one guy, though, one of my favorite sleepers who has yet to record a save, and that's Pete Fairbanks. Yep. He, uh, oh, okay. well, <laughs> he's got, he's got some pretty good stuff there. out there uh, and he's yet to uh, pitch in a safe situation. So I'm not sure if he's the closer yet, but definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on. Good call. Good call. That's, that's <laughs> the only answer. Forget all the guys Rick said. That is the only answer there, but in all seriousness, keep an eye on those guys. I do like all of those, uh, all of those mentions. Our next question is from Pete Dixon, another member of the community who actually just became a staffer recently. So Welcome aboard, Pete. We're excited to work with you. But are any prominent closers or holders who seem to have you struggling with the pitch clock? One guy who immediately stands out for me as a Yankee fan, just watching Camilo Duvall had two pitch clock violations early in his first outing against the Yankees. I haven't been able to see him recently and see if there's anything else that has been going up, but that's one that immediately jumped out. Is there anybody else just uh, that you guys have seen uh, who seem to be having some early issues with that? Um, you know, nothing really pops and like sticks out to me right now for that. Um, you know, James Karinchek's obviously having some issues, but I don't. You know, I'll let Jake take this away because I know he's got. You know, we talked about like pitchers with the decreased velo, and that's that's a good that's a good call from uh, from Jake. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't want to belabor the point too much. So if you sort of fast forwarded throughout the podcast to get to the mailbag, uh, definitely go back and, and listen to our division by division breakdown because I sort of went in depth there. But yeah, I, I think it's clear that some of the pitchers that are showing decreased velocity are probably ones that are struggling with the pitch clock. Not all of them, just some of them. So that's something to keep an eye on as You'll want to monitor whether or not they can get that velocity back or or if they struggle with decreased velocity and if it does seem to be due to the pitch clock. It's it's almost impossible to know. It's like uh, whether it's like when a, a hitter or a, a pitcher has an injury and they just don't tell anybody until the season's over. And it's just like the whole season. You're like, why does this guy suck? Like there's nothing different. It's just like he just is bad. And then you hear at the end of the season, like, oh, yeah, my finger was broken the whole year. And like, why didn't you tell anybody? I would have dropped you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's something like that where it's like unquantifiable. You're, you're not going to be able to tell the reason. So a- as soon as we start seeing people gain their velocity back or, or say that they have they're dealing with injuries or, or something else comes out, uh, we won't know who are the guys that are struggling with the pitch clock. But definitely decreased velocity is one of the indicators. And our final question. This one's actually a really good one from Dees. Well, all of them were good, but this mm-hmm. one is we don't talk about these guys enough. Who is this year's Spencer Strider? And he qualifies saying uh, long relievers that could transition to rotation and be, you know, we'll throw in that could be have the potential to be, I don't want to say league winners, but an impact arm for your rotation. We don't talk about these guys enough, but anybody stand out that fits that uh, bad description? The only one that comes to mind right away is Dre Jameson for me. I think he kind of fits that um, pedigree of you know, a, you know, a pretty highly regarded prospect who has a good two pitch mix kind of, you know, need working on a third pitch and um, 
just you know high velo guy i, I feel like he he's kind of and he should be in the ro- he should be in the rotation i mean madison Baumgartner needs needs to go it's you know it's sad kind of but it's just he um he he's not looking like a like an mlb quality starting pitcher right now so the Diamondbacks need to go make a change there, and I feel like Jameson should should start starting games soon. Yeah, that's a great call. I feel like he's sort of the the clear one there. He's shown to be really good thus far out of the Diamondbacks bullpen, and I think even if he doesn't end up back in the rotation, I think he's a dark horse for getting saves as well because he's looked really good. And outside of that, though, there are sort of a lot of options. I think you can sort of go through all the bullpens and look at the long relievers and be like, oh, that guy's young and has shown potential in the minor leagues and could come up and do something. And I think somebody who's sort of a poster boy for that is Savion Curry. He hasn't had as much success as we've seen out of other pitchers out of the minor leagues, but he is on the Guardians. They're known for their incredible pitch development. This is a guy that doesn't have a great fastball, but he controls it well, which is, I think, what the Guardians like, guys that can control their fastball, and then they sort of just help them develop really great breakers. Uh, his main one is a slider. So that's one that, that could develop throughout the season and he's still pretty young. He's a uh, 24 this year. So that's somebody I'll be keeping an eye on. There's a uh, probably going to be opportunity in that rotation because of like Zach Plesak being bad. Um, <laughs> but the, Outside of that, I do like Carlos Hernandez a lot. This is a guy that struggled mightily throughout his career as a starter but he is one of the few guys pumping 100 miles per hour with ease. I feel like this is a guy that plays up more in the bullpen and is sort of more of a dark horse for the closer. But if he does figure out his command and then makes that transition back to the rotation, he could really take off. And then I'll just list the rest of them. Tucker Davidson in, in LA, he was a, a top prospect for the Braves. And now he's got some opportunity in the Angels bullpen. Andre Jackson for the Dodgers, sort of in the same situation where Dodgers have a lot of talent. They have a lot of starting pitching depth, depth and that's forced Jackson into a reliever role. He's already gotten a three inning save thus far. So that's somebody I like. Uh, Thad Ward, the number one pick in the Rule 5 draft, I haven't seen much of him thus far, but you know, if you're the number one pick in the rule five draft, there's, there's something there. So this is a guy who in Washington has opportunity there. So if he can establish himself in the bullpen as a long reliever, maybe they give him a shot back in the, in the rotation. And then the last one is Sean Healy jelly. I think is how it's pronounced. Actually, the guy is like seven feet tall. And I mean, that's about it. That's <laughs> he's seven feet tall and that's crazy. But I, I think the one thing to say is, None of these guys have the same ceiling as Spencer Strider. They just like they don't really have the same kind of stuff or the the same kind of uh, success in the minor leagues. But they could all be like solid starters. Maybe one of them ends up in the top fifty. But you rarely see a guy like Spencer Strider come along and just dominate out of the bullpen and transfer it into the rotation. Yeah, I was not expecting to get as many names we did, but if you're looking for <laughs> Mr. Spencer Strider, here's some guys to keep on your watch list. Obviously, going to take a lot to happen, but I think there's a lot of uh, potential for those guys. There's a couple names that I think Carlos Hernandez, one that really stood out to me, is one I would love to see happen. Just from I, I know Nick had once had a, a you know liked him and there's some talk about yeah. him in the Discord, so I hope uh, we can see that happen. But and either he, way, he's I the do. closest one in terms of stuff to to Strider. Yeah, and I do like your call as well. I think him. And Jameson were both really good mentions that, hey, no matter what happens, they're going to be dark horses for saves. 
I think Tucker Davidson has that potential because I know the Angels do want to get to the six-man rotation eventually. So he seems like the logical candidate to get there. So he might be the most likely to get a starter's job early. But if you're looking for those names, I think that's a lot of a, a lot of things to like. But that's going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. If, as mentioned, if you are looking for the daily recap of bullpen usage, you're looking for our rankings for relievers, and I'll just I'll talk baseball. As always, go to pitchless.com. You'll find all our work, wrecking Jake, do a great job with the reliever ranks or reliever articles. There's a lot of excitement, a lot of good stuff coming out there. So be sure to tune into that. I'll plug Jake also as well. If you want to listen to more Jake podcasts, you can see him on the first pitch podcast on the weekends. He did a great job this week along with uh, Casey Bubba, Brian Entrick. So a lot of good stuff coming out on Pitchless. We continue to crank that out. But guys, anything else I missed? Anything you want to plug before we wrap it up? I got nothing. Um, just, yeah, you know, Keep on keeping on. <laughs> That's the motto yeah. of fantasy baseball. Right there. Good call. Yeah. You can follow me at Jake Crumpler on Twitter. I just hit 420 followers. So I had a, a little big celebration for that one. That's a huge milestone. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, in all seriousness, definitely check out all the other work that you see at pitcherlist.com. It's definitely the place to go. If you're trying to win your fantasy league that helped me win my home league, like three years in a row, just reading the SP roundup and the reliever ranks in the batter's box. It really helps you stay in tune with everything that's going on. And we've got tons of podcast content. If you can believe it, the bullpen podcast is not the only one that we have at pitcher list. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's so much content, like unlimited amount of content that uh, even out, outside of the website, you know, like Nick's got, youtube videos and he streams on twitch every single day so if you love baseball or fantasy baseball picture list is the place to be couldn't have said it better myself but we'll catch you next week we'll dive more into these ranks and you know as always find us on twitter you can find the show at in the pen we'll be starting to post there more as well and you know, let's get you some of those saves we're going to continue to grind out the content and try and get you those engine those tough categories so thanks for tuning in to the in the pen and we'll catch you next week